Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars that started during the pandemic, and we're just going to keep on rolling because there are so many interesting people to talk to, and you all are enjoying these webinars. So I am committed to keeping them going as long as I can. I will be taking some summer breaks, um, but I'll let you know about those in advance. Today, my guest is Terry uh -oh. Nowalski. Yes. You got it. And Laurie Adams, and um, they're joining us today. They have some really interesting topic that we're going to talk about um, in terms of equine sign language and scenting, which I'm so interested in hearing about. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. So, um, so Terry, go ahead and give us a, a bit of your background because I, I read your bio and it was quite extensive. I was very impressed. <laughs> Well, I'm a lifelong horseman, a fourth generation rancher from uh, Northwest Minnesota, but I've been uh, in the search and rescue for well over 20 years. And uh, uh, when I was in search and rescue, I got involved in canine setting search and rescue for a while, but then I've always been a professional horseman. So I started studying horses and their equine sign language. And I soon found out that they were just terrific at scenting. So I put my search and rescue experience together with my horsemanship experience and made it all work. And it just turned out super, so. And so you you go out on search and rescue when somebody's gotten lost and you take the horses with you to help you do that? Yes, correct. And I uh, go around the United States and Canada and I, I train other search and rescue teams for the knowledge about the scenting ability of the horses as well. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. And then Lori, what's your background? My background is um, I grew up on a ranch in Eastern Oregon. So I kind of did the whole cowboy way. My, um, my dad, uh, we, we, we did a lot of cowboying and um, with horses. And I had a horse since I was very little. Um, moved away, had, had kids, went to college, went to college, had kids and then came back um, really understanding that I was not bouncing as fast and easy. <laughs> and so, um, and really wanted to come up with another, another interaction with horses and looked into a lot of the natural horsemanship that was going on. I had been part of search and rescue with my children in, in the area. We live in a mountainous area with swift water. So we, at, at, they at a young age did the um, search and rescue and really enjoyed that, giving a sense of, of competency and, and service to the community. And all of them have continued in that same, in that same vein. We um, had the opportunity in, I think it was 2006, to uh, start a, a, a mounted on horseback search and rescue team. And I was um, helping with that in this area and started some of the training. My background has been um, education. I teach art, um, art literacy, as well as fly fishing. Oh, and wow. <laughs> and so you <laughs> <laughs> and 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 really just being able to to transfer information to to other people and have them enjoy the outdoors and and, um, and so when we started the search and rescue part of it I became part of the the leadership team and the 
the um, overhead team that that helps teach uh, what we want to do. And um, my friend Kate Beardsley and I started after taking Terry's class, kind of emphasizing some of the elements that the horses can add to as a partner in search and rescue. So we developed a, um, a mounted search and rescue clinics. We've gone all over the Northwest to different clinics and to doing that. Um, and that really, that second year, the 2007, is when we had Terry came out. We were looking for different training um, abilities. And I, I have to say, I really appreciate Terry and his ability to, to translate. He's an educator. He's not a clinician. Um, have been to lots of clinics and, and there's lots of smoke and mirrors and, and, and things that go on, and which you know, it's, it's fun and entertaining, but don't always stick with you when you get back home. And Terry uh, continues. We've had him out here for 14 years, each at least once a year, if not twice. And I must be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, um, the, the, the constant learning and excitement about something else that he's learned, or there's a perpetual student as well as educator, making things um, understandable. And, and really his, his desire is to transfer the information. So it can be a service to people um, with search and rescue as well as just enjoyment. And kind of what we're gonna focus on today is part of what he developed with a equine sign language, which really makes it so that everyone can enjoy their horses. So there's a true partnership. So we're learning about the horses. We're learning what they're telling us. We're also learning what we're communicating to them with our tension, with our, our gaze, all kinds of things. So in, in doing that, he's written a book on that. We'll focus on that today on the equine sign language that then developed into using that sign language as a goal to be able to find people. Awesome. And just so everybody knows, um, you know, Rebecca Housted really well. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> Good friends. <laughs> drag her in here. Um, and she's the one who said, I, I must have you guys as uh, for the webinar. And Lori's going to be coming back to talk about lost horses um, next week, I think it is, or I think 21st. Yes. Yeah, I got to get it up on the schedule. So, so Terry, just tell us a little bit about search and rescue in general. In other words, you know, I live in Virginia on the East Coast um, and I have uh, many friends on the West Coast that are involved in search and rescue, but I, I'm not sure that we have it as organized out here on our little mountains like they have out West. <laughs> right, well, all over, uh, most, uh, many, many states have regular search and rescue, then they have mounted patrol units as well, mounted search rescue units. And uh, yeah, they have them way on the East Coast. Maine has got real active groups out there, Florida, Georgia, and in the West Coast as well. So there's a lot of call. For the most part, they've used their horses as a mode of transportation instead of relying on their horses' scenting ability. And so when I, when I do my training provide I show them examples and let their horses, I set up training examples where we use their horses to scent out missing people instead of just using them as a mode of transportation. So, so tell us about this scenting then. It's, 
Is that something that, that you started to discover or is it something that you learned about and then utilized it for search and rescue? Well, we have a PowerPoint for you that can kind of take you through that if that's okay. That would be fabulous. And you're already yeah. set up as co-host, so that's perfect. Okay, great. Um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and go into that and then have more questions and you can ask questions as we go. So great. I'm going to... Push. You know, somebody once told me that the horse has as good a scent as a bloodhound. Is that true? Uh, they scent in different ways, but in certain ways, they're comparable as well. They, they are both excellent centers, but yes, a horse is an excellent long-distance center. They can pick up, under perfect conditions, perfect conditions, human scent from a half a mile away and take you right there. Wow. They can pick up the scent from a clothing from a quarter of a mile away and take you right there. That's under perfect conditions, mind you, not hilly, not full of trees, etc. So, so it's an excellent, uh, their olfactory system is just excellent. They are just designed for air scent detection. Wow. You know, when, uh, while Laura's getting this set up, whenever I give my horse a molasses cookie, he always phlegms, you know, he always throws his lip in the air. And I think he's like really re-enjoying that smell of that cookie. <laughs> yes. So it's a pretty common behavior for them. Okay. So have I shared the screen? Not yet. So you just go to the green button on the bottom of the Zoom screen that says share screen. And when you click on that, you got to choose the thumbnail that's the screen you want to share. All right. I'm sorry, I could have run you through that before we started, but I forgot. That's okay. I'm, I'm on a different different screen here. Let me see. Okay. Share screen. Yep. And then you and choose the window that you want. It's very specific. Very specific. There we go. And share. Yep. Is that working? Yep. It just came up. Great. We're all okay. set. Great. All right. I'm going to minimize that. And, and your pointer is working as I can see it moving around. Okay, great. As I'm trying to get my, my uh, <laughs> notes up so I can see them as well. Hold on. Okay. So this is my business card. This is what I do. Folks can find me uh, either on uh, uh, the internet at airsettinghorse.com or uh, I am also on Facebook as well under my own name. Great. And so how, how long have you been doing the air scenting? Uh, over 20 years now. Wow. Yes. And we're just now hearing about it. Uh, <laughs> I am. It's, it's slowly been coming around for 20 years, of course, uh, but it's getting very much more popular now. Let's put it this yeah. way. As my uh, friend said, 20 years, 20 years ago, people enough. didn't believe me, but now I've got enough believers across the United States that now people are really starting to take notice. Awesome. Okay, I think I'm ready. Yep. So, so this, so this is what we're going to talk about at this point. Okay. Okay, so I developed this, uh, well, starting like 25 years ago. Time goes faster than I think, unfortunately. So we're talking <laughs> well over 25 years ago as a way to increase my horsemanship business because I'm a professional trainer. And I found out people are just not understanding their horse 
how your, their horse is trying to communicate with them. So in order for myself to learn, I started going out into the wild and studying Mustang herds. So I used observation. Uh, I found out that the, the sources out there were very limited. Actually, I studied some existing information, but they were basically using the same information that had been, been around for 200 years. Uh, as we'll get into it, was all single dimensional and it really didn't cover what I needed to know. Uh, so it was very limited. And so I started de designing my own journal where I could uh, observe the horses and see what they're doing, write it down and keep many years of documentation about this so I could understand them. Next slide. So like I said, very little was understood about the exist body communication. And the, at that time, the existing research just scratched the surface. Horses were only thought of as a beast of burden, a mode of transportation or a pet. So natural horsemen approaches starts to tap into the natural communication with positive reinforcement. That's what we're gonna be talking about here. Uh, so I gotta tell you a quick story. I was uh, training a group in Colorado uh, one year and um, I explained to folks that when their horses run across the scent of something that doesn't belong in, in a wilderness setting, they are going to try to let the rider know one way or another in their form of natural communication, their form of sign language. And I explained to the riders that if they held their hands too, their reins too tight, that the horse is still gonna try to let the rider know that he smells something that doesn't belong, but it might come out in the form of the horse acting up because the horse can't naturally use his own form of uh, communication, which definitely involves posturing. The head and neck, they play a big part in equine communication. So if you're holding those reins too tight, guess what, they can't do it. It's like today, if Lori would have duct taped my hands together, <laughs> I would have been fighting her. And the same thing goes with horses. Anyway, so one at a time, I had riders go down a mountain trail and I had a subject hidden off to the side where the scent of the subject would cross the path. So one by one, the riders went by and this one rider came by and I knew he was holding his hands on the reins way too tight. And he didn't know we were watching above him. I had a group of observers, auditors watching. He didn't know we were there. And as he came right where the scent followed the path across the trail, his horse acted up just as I had predicted, okay? And he re reached down and he slapped this horse as hard as he could. He was a big man. And he said, quit it, you dumb twit. So I thought, whoa. And everybody immediately knew that I had warned people about that. So I made it with your uh, approval. I made a little, I'm into a little bit cowboy poetry and I made a cowboy poetry about that that has some uh, good educational value. If you liked it here and I'd like to share it with you. Sure. Okay, the name is Quit It, You Dumb Twit. I do clinics at how equine sit and sign. I run into skeptics and non-believers all the time. Open your mind and study your horse is all I ask. Proof comes naturally and it serves for any task. Working with many horses and people is how I got my experience. I found human knowledge was lacking in spite of appearance. 
Fourth generation ranchers, the canine police in the United States Border Patrol have put me through the test. It wasn't always easy, but I've proven to the best. Now I've made believers from Florida all the way to Canada's West Coast. Convincing professional skeptics is what I enjoy the most. I've worked with some top horsemen on their horses indications or so it seemed. Then one day a memorable response from your horse's sign was streamed. Quit it, you dumb twit, the knowledgeable student Texan did say as he misread his horse's scenting sign that training day. Now I've made it my life's work to understand this unique language and sign, studying and translating every minute movement I can find. At the top of my list is scenting that horses use with perfection. You see, as we use our sight, they use a scent picture for their perception. So here's hoping you agree that new horsemanship skills are needed, but in case your pride will not allow new knowledge to be seated. I have a message from all horses to you that really seems to fit. You guessed it. Quit it, you dumb twits. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Okay, we'll, we'll continue on, but that kind of gives you a, a really good uh, idea of-, of Well, and Terry, that's the first one to ever, to ever uh, do poetry on my webinar. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So horses were always thought of as a beast, a burden, a mode of transportation or a pet. So people really never really gave them the research and the thought that like I did. When we use scenting, uh, we're in an open environment and the whole goal is to find a missing person, but we have no idea how scent travels. So we have to read the horse's na natural communication, their sign language, 100% in order to meet our goal, okay? So it's definitely true natural horsemanship and it really affects, goes into positive reinforcement. As you notice, I've been calling it sign language and not body language. Body language in my mind leads you to look for the more larger big body portion movements. But I'm talking about just the slightest little movements of the ear, the twitch of the, the head, the, the body, the change in posturing. I want you to tune into just the, this very subtle signs and that's why I call it sign language. It's also a combination of which sign language is. Yeah, we'll get into a whole combination. It isn't one thing. Uh, I believe we'll get into it that it's it's not single dimensional, it's multi-dimensional. Exactly. Uh, like we said, existing information uh, just generalizes too much. It doesn't get into the nitty-gritty. And like other things that I have read, I haven't read anything for quite a few years but they just did it by observation. I need mine for my work. They say it's a language if you can predict it. When I give my clinics, I tell the folks ahead of time in my classroom portion what they can expect and it does happen. So I can, can predict the language. And once again, it's 100% necessary in scent detection that we understand this equine sign language in order to achieve our goal. Finding people finding people, or we also use equine sign language for sport, for field trials. You can uh, find uh, fun your horse's favorite toy. You can use it for a lot of uses. And to find lost horses. And to find lost horses, as we'll get into here a little bit later. 
So once again, sign language directs people to look for more detailed, small movements, combinations and changes in the body position, okay? Equine communication is difficult for people to understand because only a small percentage of humans actually communicate by sign language. So a lot of us don't understand the very small communication language. Uh, this is way back, but about 75% of the equine communication is, is in the form of sign, 25% sound. The more I study it, I actually even believe there's even more sign and less by sound. In the wild, equine had to develop their own sign language for survival. If they started communicating too much by sound, the mountain lions, wolves, bears, whatever would find them. So they had to develop their own silent language. And they use it in the wild, in their natural um, areas. Uh, we have some horses out here in the Ochocos that have also been studied, but they'll, they'll look for and, and sign to the herd where there's food, where there's water, where there's minerals. We've found several of them that'll go, when we take them back, back into their actual place, they'll, they'll look out and they'll get, they'll wanna go and eat the different muds because it has a mineral in it that we are not, that they're used to, that they need, as well as has protection. So as, as they're a, a predator, they're going to hear, uh, smell the predator and then tell the herd much more than they're going to hear the predator and, and get going. So it's, the, it's them using their, their scenting as well as their language to the whole herd. So they're always talking to the herd and, and having a, a large conversation. It would be very loud if it was audible. Yes. Uh. Here's one of the reasons that it's so difficult to understand. It's a combination of sign from different parts of the body in conjunction with one or more of the following. On the right side, if you read, it involves intensity, rhythm, measure movement, angles, adjusting the head, neck, and nose, hesitation, eye contact, which includes glare, uh, glare leer, blare, soft look. Freeze, lack of movement, direction of motion, change of speed, change of carriage, which is a big one. Proximity, stance, vocal changes, how their breathing changes. There's different types of blowing, snorting, all has communication value. And each one of those then can affect, um, you can take each parts of those and do it to the different elements. So there's angles that Terry's developed a, a clock to be able to, to look at it and read, there's gonna be a difference if the, the head angle is high and the nose angle is acute, Me, it's tucked up. And we'll look at this next picture and talk about those. So it's a whole combination, not just one, of, it's a whole combination that is predictable and repeatable. When you learn to really read your posture, uh, your posture and communication and others, I can read horses during my clinics. I have to read horses from sometimes a quarter to a half a mile away because I got to instruct my participants what their horses are telling me. But that's when you start to understand it. You don't even have to be close to them. Here's an example. This is a Mustang stallion in front, the gray Mustang mare, Mustang foal. 
There is a whole array of communication going on here. It involves posturing. It involves carriage. Look at that stallion. It involves their head and neck position. It involves their ear position. The mayor is giving a let's go sign to its foal. I learned about this let's go sign, which is a movement, uh, a certain movement by the head, neck and nose in a rhythm, right? Like that Laura showed you, it goes in a rhythm and she is telling the foal to follow her. Guess what, in our scent detection classes, many horses actually give the same sign to their riders when the horse picks up scent and the horse wants the rider to let him go for the horse can follow it. And like I said, so there's a whole conversation going here that involves posturing, uh, direction, uh, the level of their head, neck and nose, that's all difference. All movements of the head, neck and nose are not the same as others. Many people say, my horse is just being naughty when he's shaking his head. I tell him, you've got to think about the level he is. You've got to think about the rhythm. All has to do with the equine communication. Uh, here's just a perfect example. Here's uh, two Mustang mares I was trying to get close and study them in the wild and two foals in the middle. Just look at the ears on the, the Mustang mares. Now they're just totally focused on uh, me, for example, but I want you to study the ears on the two foals. Ears are not just for hearing. They're as much for signaling on equine as they are for hearing. Look at the two folds in the middle. Their ears are back at almost a 45 degree angle. That's a receiving position. They are just waiting for a sign from the mares when they're gonna take off running. And probably a second or two after this shot was taken, the whole group was gone on me. So once Larry, again- Is there any way you can make the, the slide images bigger? Cause it's, it's really hard to see the foals ears. Um. Like, I don't know if you could just expand the PowerPoints. Did that do it? Oh yeah, that helped a lot. Okay. Oh yeah, so you can see that they're back and angled. Exactly. Yes. So you can point, yes. A lot of people make the mistake and say, well, I think my horse is getting agitated. No, there, there are receiving signs as well as transmitting signs. And this is the perfect proof how the foals are just waiting to receive a sign from the mares. So. This one here is to this <laughs> receiving information from the mom. Yeah. This one is from from yeah. their mom. Yeah. Well, it's mostly the forty-five degree angle so, back that we're looking at yeah, here, mostly. Okay. okay. Um, so we're going to go to the next part here, and let there's any kind of questions on this. We're going to talk next about. When I told Terry about this, we um, said, and I, I knew that the horses could definitely find other horses. I've used it. Um, friend Kate Beardsley has used it many times in, in situations in the, with wild horses. We'll use our, our knowledge. Our horses already do it, but we use our knowledge to be able to locate um, wild horses and that are very easily disguised. So what we did at this last clinic this last week, at the beginning of it, we um, put out a, a horse 
And or can I interrupt put... for a second and just ask a question about this before we move on? Sure, sure. That's um, Terry. Have you identified sort of um, uh, uh, like main themes that horses have in their sign language? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's very nuanced, right? But like this picture here, you you said it's that they're listening and the mayors are watching you and they're waiting for a sign. So are there sort of, you know, like in sign language, there's some basic number of signs. Have you identified like a list of the most common signs that you see the horses communicate? Yes. Yes. I, uh, I've got a, quite a number of them. Uh, actually, too much to go into today, but yes. Sure, I was just <laughs> wondering what a number of them. kind of um, primary signs that you've identified. Well, I already mentioned about four or five of them if we go back to the other one. But once again, uh, we do have a lot to go through here today. And okay, uh, I'm just curious. Yeah, very curious about this. So, okay, we can go forward. It's fine. Okay. And, and I think some of it will be answered by, by going forward and then we'll come back to that. How about that? Okay. Sounds great. This, this is a weekend, that would be a weekend clinic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but there are, and, and there's ones like a greeting that, that the horses do together and um, that's very predictable. Right. Um, so this here is uh, where we've had the clinics. This is uh, Kalamataka Ranch up in, in uh, Central Oregon. And um, so we've, we've had our, our campings over here. This is our headquarters, Brown Pin Arena area. We have a power line road that comes up and then this bridle path that comes around the side. Are you able to see this yes. well enough? Okay. It's a little bit and, small, but we can see it. Pardon? It's a little small, but we can see the line, so we're good. I can probably. There we go. Okay. Oh, yeah. Is that better? Yep. Okay. So what we did is um, I'll let Terry explain. We start. I'm just going to give the, the outline here. This red dots right here is where we put two horses with food tied to a tree in a, a safe spot <laughs> and, and then we uh, asked the people and I'll let them tell you with, it was the first day of the clinic. So um, in the classroom, uh, I gave them a little classroom and I was just telling them about equine communication, how their horses try to communicate with them. And the horse's scenting ability is, plays a very big role in equine communication. So I told them what signs to look for and uh, tell them then you got to look for wind direction. And that's all the, the training they had with uh, their horses had never searched for missing horses before, but they just had classroom information. Wow. Okay. So the way we started was right here and um, it was happenstance or, or brilliance. We're not sure which, but we originally are locate ourselves somewhere and, and observe the horses. This one, they didn't really know the area and we were kind of concerned that they might get lost. So we followed them in a Kubota. So we had them start here and we followed them 
um, probably 100, 100 feet behind them in a Kubota and had people um, standing up in the back of the Kubota and we just watched them. We told them to point when they saw a sign from their horse, the wind direction, which is important, is coming basically this direction from here to here. <laughs> My mouse keeps wandering, but- If you see, the, oh, yeah, from the, show them the red dot where the horses yep. are. Yep. And now drag down, it's coming downward, right? Down this way. The wind is heading that direction. Right. This from here to here is about a half mile okay. from, from where we were. And we started on this, this line here. I'm gonna add that this is uh, in the high desert country of uh, central Oregon. And uh, this is thick with trees, hills and ravines and brush. Uh, this is no, by no means open country. This is okay. really rough country. Uh, and so it's really well covered. You can't see very little distance most places. And the, um, these are the topographical lines that are, I think, um, 10 feet to 20 feet, no, other 50 feet apart, so um, in height. So we come along here and um, we, we're getting, we're getting them to, I'm gonna go ahead and, oops. Okay, hold on. Yep. Get this back to normal and then it'll go. So we're coming along, we're riding behind them. And you'll see this first, um, the, we sent them out in teams too, so they wouldn't get as lost. So you'll see them here. She's raising her hand a little bit and riding along to see if the horses give any sign. They were giving sign. I can go back. You can that. look, uh, keep it on this picture for a while. Look at the tail of the paint horse in back, how it's blowing one direction. If you look close at the feet of the horses, you'll see they're kicking up dust. So the dust, the wind is coming from the rider's right going to the left. So, so we're using, the horses are gonna use a natural scent detection to find their own kind. Once again, the horses have never been trained for this and the riders have just been trained what to watch for. Got it. Second one yet or not yet. Yes, they can see this one. Okay, in the second set of pictures, now you can see the lead rider just got a sign from her horse, a scenting sign. There are certain signs that are related to scenting and others are related to other communication, but they were trained to look for signs that are definitely related to scenting. So, and even the horse will even tell you the direction the scent is coming from. And these riders got that information in my classroom. So we told them every time they get the sign from their horse, to point in the direction that the horse is telling them the scent is coming from. As you see, the first rider is pointing over to the right, which like you say, the beginning signs came from close to a half a mile away. That means that scent was traveling close to a half a mile, but the horses knew it, knew it where it was, which direction it was coming from. And they were, I'm just gonna go back here. They were getting signed as we were leaving this area here. This says home site. There's nothing up there yet. We're hoping to get a, our, we're, we're getting our building prepared as we go, but there is no other real human scent or any other kind of scent out here except what's naturally out there. They were given a sign all along this road, all the way here, 
that picture you saw there was right in this area here. Oh, wow. Okay. And so they're going to go all, they, the idea was to go all the way around, make another loop just to make sure that they could do it and then come out if they didn't find anything. The riders had no idea whether the missing horses were on the left yeah. side or right side of the trail. They had no idea. They were just deciding to, they were assigned the search area, which was the bridal path. They had no idea what side of the bridal path or where anywhere near the horses were, they had to determine just by reading their horse's sign language. And the, the horses that they were searching for were not visible from the trail. Oh, yeah. no, not at all. Yeah. If you like to know, I didn't know where they were put. <laughs> Even when the horses found them, I kept asking, Lori, where are they, where are they? I was 50 feet from them and I could not see them. Oh, wow, and, okay. And they were picking up scent from over a half a mile away. No, the riders could not see him at all. I don't care if they got 50 feet, they couldn't see him. That's how well they were hidden in the brush. That's another reason you'll see we, what kind of horses we picked, shorter horses, so we could hide them better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here is on that little dip after the turn. So again, here was a spot. So this was happening right in here. And that wind was was coming, you know, in this kind of a direction. So that's they took off of this. They're pointing right here. And I don't know if can you see any? He's got an ear. Like, no. We can't see the head swing because I think that yeah. happened. This particular yeah. horse was very expressive with head swings, and and pausing as well. So this is them going down and following the scent and kind of look. And then the horses give a different posturing, different sets of sign language. They give a certain set of sign language when they're searching. They give another set of sign language when they first pick up the scent. They give a third set of sign language when they actually following the scent. And if they lose the scent, they'll give a fourth set of sign language. The picture on the left will just kind of tell you what kind of terrain we're in and what kind of brush they were working in. And then, of course, the picture on the right, you said they can see this picture, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. You can see we were hiding little ponies, little miniature horses, so we could hide them very well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... Um, so that was finding the missing horses was just used for my uh, clinic participants that pretty understand how natural the scenting is and how natural the, the equine communication is because I knew they would go after their own kind just like when we teach them to search for search and rescue for people I knew they would even be more apt to go try to find their own kind by scenting so now we're moving into my equine scent detection clinics where I put all this together. It's, I put all the studies of my equine sign language along with the studies of the horse's scenting ability together. And I, this is the one of a kind clinic. Uh, most of my clinics are for return customers. Like Laurie said, I've been coming here for 14 years, so they must like something about it. Yeah. But it's for law enforcement, mountain search rescue, just natural horsemanship. So people can improve their horsemanship improve their understanding of the horse to form a better partnership, uh, 
They can improve their timing, their feel of the horse. We use it for field, field trials for sports. Uh, it's really fun just as a sport in horses. It's the only sport where the horse works completely on their own in an open environment and where the riders got to understand the equine sign language 100% in order to achieve your goal. Because we can't make the horses do scenting. They do it because they want to, but we have to understand their language to understand what they're doing. Once they pick up the scent, they're all on their own. The rider drops the reins. They're 100% on their own. We can't make them. Everything else in the horse world, we make them. This they do on their own. So someone's asking, how do you indicate to them that they are on a search? Uh, we do a change of tack and that tells them, well, like for horses, it's all natural. We didn't have to do anything there. When we're searching for horses. When we're searching for missing horses, we knew that they would know. For other types of scent, we imprint them on a certain scent that we want to find. It could be for live missing people. It could be for deceased missing people. It could be for uh, uh, a, a certain scenting oil, or some people just use vanilla extract just for fun. They go put a few drops of vanilla extract on a piece of cotton, go hide it in the trees, and then just for fun, they see if their horse can find it. But all that is, first of all, we imprint a certain scent on the horse. So they know once we do a, a tack change, that they then go from being a show horse or a trail horse or a rodeo horse to a scenting horse. They know when they get that change of tack, that is their, in, that is their cue when they should change. Okay. No, Okay, change the cat. Yes. Okay, did that answer yep. the question? That was great. Um, she has a second part to her question, which is how do you know they're not indicating a predator scent? Uh, get this, at my clinics, uh, usually people come and they uh, camp out at my clinics and my clinics for the air scent detection is usually three days and by this end of the second day, the people are now understanding it. The horses are understanding the game. We call it a game because the horses just love set detection. They love it more. I have done reining, working cow horse, Western pleasure, uh, barrels, you name it in the horse world. In my professional career, I've had to train horses and compete for my customers in all those events plus more. But I can tell you, they, none of them do they enjoy more than this. Horses love this game because it's all natural for them. And once they learn, they get rewarded for something that comes natural. Uh, you ask Laurie, they just love it, right, Laurie? <laughs> it's hard to get them off of it or slow them down when they want yeah. to, to go. Okay, so at the end of the second day, usually in the evening, the participants that are camping out take their horse on a ride down the trail. The next morning, they come back to me and say, Terry, you're amazing. I say, could you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the amazing part. <laughs> no, they say, Terry, you, you trained my horse to sit in one day. I went on the trail and he's smelling everything. I always chuckle. I said, I have. I, I did not teach him that. It's all natural, but the riders have never understood what their horses were doing before. Your horses do it all the time. They use scenting 
more than your other senses. They use scenting more than their sight, more than their hearing, but people do not understand that. So anyway, the rider comes back. They thought the horse just learned that. No, he's always been doing that. The riders have never had an idea. Uh, so we in print, let's see, the question was, oh, how do you know what you're gonna go after? When you play the game, we do this change of tack equipment. And then they know that they're just after one certain scent that they're imprinted on, but they'll always use their natural scenting ability for deer and other things, but people will now know what they're doing. And they, if I can expand, yes. they, if it's a predator, there's an entirely different equine sign language that goes with a predator. And I've experienced that multiple times with cougar following me at one point and, and other things, but I can tell the difference and it on, on whether it's a predator, whether it's a cadaver, whether it's a deer, an elk or person, I have been doing it long enough in, in the area to realize and, and recognize my horse's equine sign language. He's telling me what is out there. So it's a difference in, in reading them. And again, that partnership, understanding what they're telling us and honoring what they're telling us so they trust us to be able to, to continue on. Many of the folks that take my clinics, uh, they're not all into search and rescue. Most like say, many just want to improve their horsemanship, understanding their horse better. And I've had many people report back how once they understood how their horse's scenting ability worked, they kept themselves and their horses out of danger because they're in one place one rider had been, been followed by a grizzly bear that still had wet uh, claw marks in the track following the horse, but he knew the way his horse was scenting that it was something that the horse didn't like. So of course he cleared out the area. And actually, Laurie, we've had many stories of that happening from participants, even here in Oregon. So they're not gonna go after a scent. They're not gonna try to follow a scent that they're not trained for, that they're not imprinted on for, that they're not being rewarded for. It's just for the sport or search and rescue where they go after one of a kind sense. Does that answer? Yep, that's great. I, I One time I, I took my Virginia horse and I hauled out to Seattle, but I stopped in uh, Montana and I brought him out of the trailer and he was beside himself. And then the guy informed me that there'd been cougar around. And I don't think my horse had ever smelled cougar, but he certainly knew it was something not good. <laughs> There you go. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, we were going to get, I can't remember. Why don't you explain this one? Here's just an example of how great the scenting can work. I'm going to have Laurie uh, explain this one. So this is a blind um, uh, test or, or trial. So just to, to <clears throat> improve and also to be able to have us practice. So this is a 120 acre search area and it um, in a rolling kind of the hills a little more open. It has some hills, trees, brush, trees ravines. brush, ravines. You can see some of the topographical area there and when we start, we change the tack and we give a search command for our horse. We 
also have to learn a lot about the direction of the, the wind flow. So what we'll do is we'll do a grid, I should show Kate's, <laughs> we do a grid um, downwind. So we, we want the wind, the horse to, to be perpendicular to the wind into where the search area is. The, the wind had changed on this particular one. And so um, the wind was coming this direction. Describe, describe where you started. And this was a blind search. Uh, I had placed a subject out in this 120 acres somewhere. Like I said, once again, there was trees, brush, hills, ravines, uh, big rocks in the high desert country. And uh, we had the subject all hidden in a ghillie suit, if you know what that is, matches in with the terrain, covered up completely, even his face. So when I got 20 feet away, I couldn't see him. But this is 120 acres where the rider has no idea where they are. Now, go ahead. So doing that, giving the, the search command so we know where this, this is the perimeter. So this would be- The yellow line around is the perimeter. Okay. Yeah. And so this is so that, so that the, when we do searches, they'll give us an area to search. And, and we are responsible for that area to come back to incident command to let them know if that has been, if there, we found anything in an area. So we typically on ground people, there'd be a far smaller, it would be maybe a five to, to 10 acre area. Um, many times when we go out now, we'll ask for a whole section, which is 660 acres. Wow at a time to be able to, to do that because we're using the advantage of the, the, the wind. So what happened here was the wind was coming this way. So I was having my horse perpendicular and I rode up and about halfway the wind shifted. And so I thought, all right, I need to make sure my area is covered. I'm going to come down along the side and then I was going to possibly cut crossways, but I thought I'd come down and, and at least do the perimeter of my search area and see what the wind was gonna do. Right about here, um, I was gonna come down this side. My horse started to pick up some stuff. I thought, okay, the wind is coming now this direction, coming from, it's totally 180, which it does in our area. So I said, okay, I'm gonna go diagonal to the wind and cut my search area in half. So I thought, all right, I've got a good song, strong wind. He's giving me a little bit of sign. I come and I make this turn so that I'm perpendicular to the wind again. What happens is he came up here, got very excited. I have a little bag of, of his treats and, and other stuff. He was blowing and really wanted to go. When they're experienced horses, we make them give us several signs so we don't wander around. But he was giving me some definitely signs of blow is an indication of, of him getting it. So I know that he has the scent. I'm coming down here, then I let him go. So he's indicating to me by several, by blowing, by turning his head, and he gets very excited and he wants to go. So I go ahead and let him, let him go. 
Uh, that means he's, I know that he has a scent. He continues to blow. She puts down the reins and at this point, the horse is on his own. Right. So my hands are down on the side of his neck, which is another indication that this is all you, buddy. <laughs> I'm here for the ride. And so then he comes and picks up another blow and I know he's got it. I have a caution in my brain because they sometimes will follow a road and I'm saying, oh no, but he picks it up and he just starts going. For me, he likes it so much that he starts trotting down the hill and there's a hill here we go down and I'm we're this is this is open country for miles the wilderness is is less than a mile to my <laughs> left and I'm worried that he's gonna get in a hole or something so I'm kind of checking him I say let's just walk let's just walk but we goes down a hill slows down a little bit as he comes up the hill because uh, he we had lost it it wasn't intense, comes over the top of the hill and comes straight down to the subject. I got to the subject, he stops. I look around, I go, I guess you found him. And the subject, because I didn't see the subject, the subject talks and says, yep, you found me. And this whole process happened in uh, 16 minutes. 16 minutes, this horse cleared 120 acres. Tell them the distance from where you first picked up the scent, where you released the horse where the horse went 100% on its own. When 100%, this, this here is all on his own from this point here. And it was, um, I believe over a, a quarter of a mile. It was over a quarter of a mile. Over a quarter of a mile. Now and, folks out there, you horse people out there, I want you to know from over a quarter of a mile, she lays her hand and her reins down on the horse's neck. Trust that horse. The horse is all on his own. Let me tell you, she's got the best seat in the house <laughs> to experience this. And this is very exciting. You just have to trust your horse. And the horse knows this game. They love the center game. But think about a quarter mile in. That is trust. That is partnership with your horse. So so you bring up an interesting point, though, about the terrain. What do you... Uh, like you don't know the terrain and there could be a ravine, there could be a river, there could be holes. Um, what do you do when you come across terrain that you can't cross or that your horse wants to go and you're not sure? Oh, sometimes and that has happened. Uh, I've already had sent cross a river that had uh, ice, ice chunks floating it in early spring, but the subject of my search was actually on the opposite side of the river. So when they're following scent, they love it. They might do certain things that uh, you don't normally do, like he would actually swim the river to follow the scent. But of course, you don't want to do that safety first. So you would take your horse around on the other side. You use human reasoning power where you know the horse was, uh, uh, the direction the horse was going and try to pick up scent on the other side. Okay. So Alexa, I had much success with uh, clinics all across the United States and Canada. And it's very rewarding. For example, like just last week, uh, a share from Michigan, Van Buren County put out a news release where he says in his own news release that one of their scenting horses from their mountain search rescue group saved a life. That was my group that I trained. So it makes me very proud, but I've had a lot of success working with just wonderful groups across the United States. 
And I want to say again, it's just not search and rescue. It's just for improving horsemanship as well. So, so how many search and rescue units use scenting horses? Well, there's getting to be more and more all the time. Uh, some use it at different levels. Some go on to train their horses so they're uh, well-trained, specialized in scent detection. Some just use some of the signs I tell them uh, for when they're on regular mouse search rescue, they can read their horse better. So it's pretty hard to tell, but I have given clinics in over 30 states already, so. And, and how do you imprint a, a scent? Well, you better come to a clinic for that because you're getting into pretty hard information there. There's a lot to that, so. Well, I mean, I'm just curious, like, do you, uh, um, if you're looking for a particular individual, you would obviously want to imprint them to that individual scent. Actually, what you're talking about there is like scent discrimination. Most people get that, but they get that from watching too much CSI on TV, I always tell people. <laughs> uh, that's, that method is, is used and it does work, but the percentage of its success isn't used as much as the other one, which is where a horse or dog will pick up any hot scent that's in their search area. Across the United States, even when we're talking canine, most police, most search and rescue use the method where the animal will pick up any hot scent in their area and go to it. Now you can teach horses to do uh, scent discrimination like you're talking. Okay. Give a piece of clothing and your horse smells a piece of clothing, goes find out one piece of clothing. Uh, there's a lot of uh, twists and turns in that type of training. For example, Airway sees it on TV and it works in 10 minutes. In real life, it doesn't work that way. For example, if there's a missing little girl, grandma runs in, grabs a, grabs a shirt off the girl's bed, gives it to the policeman. The policeman gives it to the canine officer. Guess what? That dog is not only looking for that little girl now. That dog is looking for granny. That dog is looking oh, for the policeman. Sure. Their scent is on it. You see, so there's a lot of twists and turns. It can work. I'm just saying it doesn't work like TV and CSI, but there are different methods of scent detection work. Yeah, because I'm, you know, I was thinking more of like when I pass through the airport, there's the, the beagle that comes around and smells my bag for apples. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and many times you asked about how many uh, mounted units. Um, one of, one of the, the things we're continuing to work on is that in law enforcement who runs search and rescue, they're much more familiar with the dogs and the dog's abilities. And because they use them for all kinds, for narcotics, for, for, um, for apples. <laughs> um, and, and they'll use them and, and they're, they're very, um, they're, they're great in, in, inside to find cadavers and to find in water and they can use them in buildings because they can get through lots of things. The other part is they take a lot of time and you can have your scent animal live with you as well. Oh, and so, so um, the, as, as we're, and so they, they invest, they're the hardest working people, Terry says, on, on, on the search and rescue teams because they train a whole lot. Um, and, and with the horses, so much of us have just treated our horses as a beast of burden necessarily, not 
developing that partnership and that understanding. So there's a there's a learning curve with with a law enforcement that is running these. Um, there's several of them that have been convinced because the the horses have some advantages, particularly out in open areas. Dogs can't do it if they're hot or if they're because they pant. Yeah. So they have a, a shorter window of work area. So we can also do a, um, a what we do call as a containment where we go around and I'll talk some about the search and rescue parts of that. But we can be on a containment and still watch our horses and then say, all right, they're picking up something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change that their tack and I'm going to go in and, and get permission to look for it. So we've got to get with search and rescue um, to understand what we can do and to have people well-trained so that their, their horses have a relationship with them as well as good training. Um, many times there's, there's uh, lots of uh, rodeos going on <laughs> With, with, I mean, just people who, who uh, enjoy something, but they, they really haven't taken the time to develop a partnership and understand what their horse is talking about, as well as put the time into the training, because this doesn't, this, the partnership does not um, eliminate the need for good sound horsemanship if you're going to ride your horse. Oh, sure. And, and that's the thing is it's every skill has to be developed. I mean, the, the horse has this ability to scent, but I, I always go back to the example of the, of the Olympic skier who thought he didn't have to train. He could just go and party and still win the goal. You have to hone the skills and that takes time and it takes, you know, focus and good training. So I, I totally agree there. I have one other question because you went past the slide and then you went on, but- oh that it was a lost art. Is this true that they used to use horses for scenting in the war? Oh, yes. Uh, I always explain to people that I really did not invent the, the wheel. I am the first modern horseman that took out to the public and was able to prove this time and time again. But the frontiersmen, the Native Americans, they all knew about how to use horses scenting ability to help them. I always like to tell the story about uh, Teddy Roosevelt, he was our only true cowboy president. He had a ranch up in Medora, North Dakota, up in my part of the world. And uh, he wanted to hunt buffalo in the worst way, but they were becoming extinct at that time. He tried hunting for three weeks, couldn't even find one. Then if you read the book, The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt, uh, they'll talk about how this, this old hunting guide uses horse's nose to find and the buffalo. That was a scent detection horse. Wow. There's other examples. If you read the book uh, by J. Frank Dolby, the Mustangs, they talk about how people use them survival from enemies all the way from hunting. And there's many other uh, examples as well once you start reading old journals. So that was a time when people spent more time with their horse than we do nowadays. That's the trouble. People spend time with their dogs. They live with their dogs. They understand them. But when you really understand your horse, you will see they have many of the same abilities. Dogs are great scenting. Horses are great. It's like apples and oranges. I always get asked, which is better? They both have very good specialties. They're good, both each in different areas. So they're wonderful. Yeah. 
Well, that, that's fascinating. You know, um, my horse, Al, loves to fox hunt and he would always know where the, the single hound was. And, and now listening to you, I'm sure he was scenting that hound. Because I'm sure you're right, too. Yeah. I'm sure you're right. Yeah, he loves the hounds and he would pick up where they were and, and was always watching them. And he would swing his head a lot. So I'm sure he was uh, pointing out where everybody was. That, that's that's they actually do use a pointing uh, with their signs. They'll tell you, tell you what direction that scent is coming from once you learn it. And there's a series of signs on that. So. No. But that's once again, that's a whole other weekend of training. So. Yeah, but it's just so fascinating. And it's so, uh, thank you so much for coming on this webinar today and sharing your information with us. It, hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, it brings in a whole new uh, thought and idea about um, our very special partners, the horse. It's great. Yes. So I was going to say that um, you can contact, I think on that first contact, whether it's on the... Um, the website or on his Facebook page to contact Terry. He does primarily with with um, with law enforcement or those, but he does do some like here in Oregon that are open to the public. And then I'm also presenting, will be presenting some, if I get the interest of it, for, Terry's given me permission to give equine sign language horse partnership uh, clinics so that people can bring their horses and that's really the first step is to really be able to understand what your horse is telling you and we do an observation we look at what horses are telling each other then we do what people are telling each other with body language and and with with language without words and and our sign language then we do what we're telling the horses and then we listen to what the horses are telling us individually and create, it's a two day clinic and create a, a, a really true, the starting of a really true um, partnership. Yeah. And Terry has a book with a journal that, that has a lot of the information will give you tools to what's really develop that partnership. What's the title of the book? Uh Equine Sign Language and Communication Journal. I'll just type it here. And where is it available? Uh, you can contact me either on Facebook or through my website. Great. Awesome. Well, this has just been such a pleasure to meet you both. Thanks. All right. Yeah, thanks. And um, just remember, everybody, that you can find this and all the other webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. And tell your friends about this one. This is quite unique. We, ha we haven't had anybody talk about animals or equine scenting before, so it's really fun. Very good. Thanks. Uh, thank you for joining me today and have a wonderful evening. Or after. All right. <laughs> okay. Bye. Goodbye.